Welcome to Christian Assembly, a family church. Since 1930, we've been serving the communities of Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia with the good news of Jesus Christ. With over 40 years of Bible teaching and ministry experience, Pastor Bill brings faith-filled revelation from God's Word. We believe with you, wherever you are, that God will inspire and change your life through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. Praise God. It's been a while, so we're just going to give you a quick review. We're talking about the Holy Spirit manifesting himself in the life of the believer in various ways and the gifts of the Spirit. So, first of all, we talked about the work of redemption involves all three persons of the Godhead. Anybody needs some notes, you can just raise your hand. We'll get them to you. All three persons of the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. The Father planned it. Jesus worked it. The Holy Ghost makes it a reality in our lives. Aren't you glad for the Holy Ghost tonight? Amen. Aren't you excited about the Holy Ghost tonight? This is his dispensation. He is at work in the earth today. Amen. And he wants to do a mighty work in the earth today. And if we'll yield to him, he will. Then we talked about the sevenfold meaning of the word paraclete. He's our comforter, counselor, helper, advocate, intercessor, strengthener, and standby. Seven manifestations of the Spirit of God. And thank God he can manifest himself and will manifest himself in those ways in our lives. If we will acknowledge, just but acknowledge his mighty working. Once again, comforter, counselor, helper, advocate, intercessor, strengthener, and standby. Isn't that good to know he's right there to do all that for us? And then the third thing we talked about was the packed impact that Pentecost had when the Holy Ghost entered into the upper room. And cloven tongues, like as a fire, set upon each and every one of them, showing that it is an individual thing. Every single one of them, all 120, had a cloven tongue like as a fire, set upon each and every one of them. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost, spake the word of God with boldness, praise God, proclaimed the truth as Peter was anointed from on high to proclaim the first message of the gospel, the resurrection of Christ. And right there in Jerusalem, 3,000 individuals got saved. How in the world does he go from cowering in fear before the resurrection to proclaiming Jesus boldly, publicly amidst all those people that he was afraid of before? How? By the power of the Holy Ghost. That's how. So the anointing of God came upon him and he proclaimed truth with power and demonstration. Also, 1 Corinthians 12 tells us we're not to be ignorant of the manifestations of the Spirit. In other words, how the Holy Ghost manifests himself. And isn't it something? There are nine fruit of the Spirit, and there are nine gifts of the Spirit. Nine fruit of the Spirit talk about the character of God in the life of a believer, but also nine gifts of the Spirit, how the Spirit manifests himself in various ways in people's lives. So we talked about that. Then these nine gifts can be divided into three different groups. We talked about that. You've got the inspirational groups, prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues. You've got the power group, special faith, gifts of healing, working of miracles. And then you have the revelation gifts. And the revelation gifts include the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. We talked about, in our last meeting, the gift called the word of knowledge. Notice it is the word of knowledge. It's talking about a part of knowledge, a part of God's knowledge that he chooses to reveal to someone about past or present events. 
something that took place in the past or something that's taking place now. Then we uh, talked about that a little bit and how it could be beneficial, how it could be helpful. I remember when I first came home from school in Christmas time, it was when I was in school at Raymond, 1979. It's no, 78, that Christmas of 78 before 79. And I was just in a church service and it's just this is how it happens. It's the Spirit of God just said to me, there's somebody here with a back issue. I want to heal them now. Just like that. Those, those just very words. Just, I want to heal them now. So I just said, well, if, if you're sitting out there in, in discomfort because of your back, God just said he wants to heal you right now. And this woman came up, and I went to lay hands on her. There was nobody behind her, like we've got catchers and all that. There was nobody behind her, but I went to lay hands on her. The power of God hit her and knocked her on the ground. Her glasses went flying across the floor. It was, on, it was just towel floor on, on cement is what it was. And her glasses went flying. Of course, you're sitting there looking like, okay. And she got up and she says, I'm completely healed. I'm completely whole. All the pain was gone. Her glasses didn't break. And she was perfectly whole. Well, that's wonderful. But the better part of it is this. She wasn't going to come into the church service. She was on the outside looking in a window and she decided I'm leaving. I'm getting out of here. A couple caught her in the parking lot and just said, where are you going? Well, I was going to go, but I'm leaving. What are you going to leave for? Come on in. They had encouraged her to come into the meeting. So she was the one who had to be encouraged because she'd never been to a meeting like that before. She comes into the meeting and she gets healed. She was completely whole. But that was by revelation, you know, by, by a word of knowledge. So it's a supernatural revelation. It's not a natural revelation that you could learn about. That kind of knowledge. Now, next, we're talking about the word of wisdom. The word of wisdom. Look at 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 8. The word of wisdom. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. To another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. But notice this is the word of wisdom. Now, first of all, what it's not. It's not natural wisdom. It's not going to college somewhere and learning some truths. Gaining some wisdom as, as far as life is concerned. That's not it. It is not also general wisdom that's given to us by God. In James chapter 1 and verse 5, look at what it says. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally and upbraids not, and it shall be given him. So he's not talking about general wisdom. God can give us wisdom about things, about how to conduct ourselves and what to do and that sort of thing. It's not spiritual insight also gained by meditating the word of God and rightly dividing the word of truth. Look at Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 in the Amplified Bible, what it says. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you shall deal wisely and have good success. So we can meditate the Word of God, and we can have wisdom that comes to us from the Word of God, but that's not what the Word of Wisdom is. It is a revelation given to us by God, something that's involving his plan, his purpose, something he knows about in a future event. Unlike the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom talks about the future. The word of knowledge is past and present, but the word of wisdom is a future event that will take place. God, how many of you know God knows everything? He knows the future. And when he chooses to reveal some of the future to us, that's called the word of wisdom. Uh, look in uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 16, 17. I don't think this is in your notes, but here's, here's a revelation of it. 
Tomorrow, go ye down against them. This is Jehoshaphat when the three armies were coming against them to destroy them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz, and ye shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand still, and ye shall see the salvation of the Lord. O Judah and Jerusalem, fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. Now, they didn't, find, they didn't read some book that said how to discover where your enemy is going to be coming from. They didn't go online to find out some way, somehow, you're going to find out or discover where your enemy is going to be coming from. They got a word of wisdom given to them by the Spirit as the prophet yielded himself to him and said to them, tomorrow, see it's future, tomorrow, that's where they're going to be. And that's where you need to be to overcome them. But you don't have to fight. I will fight for you. I will defend you. And you will have victory. Someone once said, what is the best of all the nine gifts? Well, I guess there's two ways to look at it. One way is this. Whatever gift you need right at that moment would be the best gift. But the word of wisdom, which is a future revelation... Obviously, is a great thing because you know in advance what's going to happen tomorrow. Can you imagine the confidence and the boldness that they must have had when they knew by just going to where God told them to go at that time that those people would be there and that they would be victorious because God would fight for them. God would defend them. You can't get better than that. Thank God. What a revelation the word of wisdom is when the spirit manifests himself that way. You've already got the answer even before it ever happens. Isn't that good to know? Amen. Now, don't think you could predict next year's Super Bowl winner. He's not going to tell you that. He's not into football or anything like that. I can see some wheels turning out there. Or, I'll stop right there. Look at Genesis chapter 6, verse 13. Some of the examples, you see, it can come by a vision, it can come by a dream, it can come by an angel, it can come... Uh, by uh, audible voice, it can come by prophecy, like this here one was, by prophecy. And it can come any of these various ways. Here's one way that it came to Noah. God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth, make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rooms shalt thou make in the ark, and shall pitch it within and without with pitch, and this is the fashion which thou shalt make it of. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, the breadth of it 50 cubits, the height of it 30 cubits. A window shalt thou make into the ark, and in the cubit uh, shalt thou finish it above. And the door of the ark shalt thou set in the side thereof with lower, second, and third stories shalt thou make it. And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of life from under heaven, and everything that is in the earth shall die. But with thee I will establish my covenant, and thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife, and thy sons' wives with thee. So here we have a revelation given to Noah of a future event that's going to take place. How many of you know that didn't happen the next day? It took him a long time to build the ark. But how many of you know that by revelation, he had, a rev he had the word of wisdom that's telling him, you better get to work on this project because, you see, it's a serious project. 
Sometimes we can miss what God is really trying to drop into our spirits. He knows the future better than we know the past. And that's what he was trying to convey to Noah. And so he tells him, this is what's going to happen down the road. You better get to work. You better tell your kids. You better tell them all to get ready. And so, of course, we know the story of what he did. We also know all the, you know, laughing at he, he took upon himself and everything else. But because he walked in godly reverential fear and he feared the Lord above man, he continued the project knowing that this word of wisdom that God had given him will come to pass in its season. And of course, it saved his whole house. But if others would have believed it, they too could have been saved. But you see, they didn't believe it at all. And that was, of course, to their undoing and to their own death. Also, look at Genesis chapter 19. And here we have Lot. And Abraham, here we have Lot, Abraham's family member. And the men, these are two angels, said to Lot, Hast thou here any besides son-in-law and thy sons and thy daughters and whatsoever thou hast in the city, bring them out to the, of this place? For we will destroy this place because of the cry of them is waxing great before the face of the Lord. And the Lord hath sent us to destroy it. And Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters, and said, Up. Get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy the city. But it's, he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. And when the morning arose, then the angels hastened, Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters, which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. Here we have a word of, of wisdom. God meant business. Angels were sent. A revelation came. The cities are going to be destroyed. Can you imagine just someone saying, I'm sure you'd think they're off the wall. Well, tomorrow, uh, industry is going to be wiped off the planet. Or Calcutta is going to be wiped off the planet. Probably look at you like, you're crazy. No different back then. What? They've even made movies about it. What's going to happen? There's going to be a flood? Really? What's wrong with this guy? It pays to listen to God. It pays to be open to what God has to say. A word of wisdom is a revelation given to us by God about a future event that's going to take place to warn us about things, to help direct us, to help prepare us, enable us to know what it's in the mind of God so that we can cooperate with him so his plan can be established in our lives. So here we see the purpose was to save them. Look at Genesis chapter 37. We have another example of a word of wisdom being manifested in the life of Joseph. This is from the New Living. One night Joseph had a dream. It can come in a dream, a vision, prophecy, angels. And when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly my bundle stood up. And your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. His brothers responded, so you think you will be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. Soon Joseph had another dream. And again, he told his brothers about it. He probably should stop telling the dream. Listen, I've had another dream. He said, the sun, moon, 11 stars bowed low before me. This time he told the dream to his father as well as to his brothers. But his father, oh, shouted with joy and said, wonderful. No, he scolded him. 
What kind of dream is that? He asked. Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dreams meant. You see, you get supernatural revelation, and even people that are supposed to support you think you're crazy. What's going on? You're crazy. I don't believe in these dreams and so on and so forth. But this was a revelation that God had for Joseph. And given to Joseph for a reason, a specific reason. And it came by a dream. This word of wisdom came by a dream. Well, we know the plan. We know what happened. He never lost sight of what the plan of God was. Whether he was in the pit or whether he was in the prison. He moved on to the palace. See, God gives revelation like this so that we can maintain our walk of faith. It may seem along the way you find yourself in the pit and you might wonder what's really going on here. God, you said that was going to be this person who's going to be in a position of leadership and all that and maybe, uh, who knows, prominence. But here I am in the pit, being sold into slavery. Now I'm finding myself at a prison. What am I going to do now? He had another uh, word of wisdom that came to him when he interpreted the dreams. Remember the dreams he interpreted? Talked about 14 years in advance what's going to happen. Gave that revelation. Took him out of the prison into the palace. He became his leader's number one man. Absolutely. Well, he held on to his word of wisdom. He knew what God said was true. And even though it didn't look like it would materialize to come to pass... He still stayed with it. And what happened? For chapter 45, verses 5 through 8. This is a little quick. This is really a, a heartwarming story if you really put it all together and read it together. Don't be upset and don't be angry. This is when his brothers came and they all bowed before him. It all came to pass just as God said it would come to pass. But don't be upset and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me into this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. This famine that has ravaged the land for two years will last five more years, another revelation, and there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. So it was God who sent me here, not you. And he is the one who made me an advisor to Pharaoh, the manager of his entire palace and the governor of all Egypt. Put yourself way back in the very beginning when he just woke up and had this dream. To finally now, fast forward ahead, and you see him there in the palace in that position of authority. But put yourself in between. From the promise to the fulfillment is a wilderness. And you talk about being challenged in the wilderness. Have you been challenged in your wilderness? Some things in between before we see the end result materialize in our lives. Whether it's physical, whether it's financial, whether it's material, whether it's a relational, whatever it might be, it's not just snap your fingers and it happens. We hold fast the word of God. We proclaim the truth of God's word. We get a word from God and we know the seed of God's word will never fail to produce a positive result. Whatever God says is going to come to pass, even as he said it. His word will never return to him void. It will accomplish what he pleases. It will prosper in the thing where to he sent it. And so God wants us to take a hold of it, grab it, yield to it, and no matter what tries to interfere with it, my God can't lie. Hold 
fast and firm to your conviction of faith. Look at uh, in the book of Acts chapter 11. We have another example of a word of wisdom. In these days came prophets from Jerusalem into Antioch. And there stood up one of them named Agabus and signified by the spirit that there should be a great dearth throughout all the world. Which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt in Judea, which also they did, and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. So we have a revelation of what's going to take place in the future, this drought, this dearth that's going to take place, drought that's going to take place. But they made provision as a result, knowing in advance what was going to take place. Wouldn't you say the word of wisdom is a wonderful manifestation given to us by God of future events so that we can prepare before they ever happen? Wow, isn't that great? Can you imagine if we had a revelation that two years in advance there's going to be a pandemic? You could prepare for it spiritually, medically, whatever. That's what the word of wisdom is. To give us just a little bit of God's knowledge. Once again, you can't find it online. You can't find it in a book. You can go to Harvard if you want to. You're never going to find it. It's not that knowledge and it's not that wisdom. It is God imparting to someone a part of his knowledge, something that he knows is going to take place. And he tells you in advance it's going to happen. So get your faith in order. Well, do we know he's coming again, that Jesus is coming again? We don't need a special word of wisdom for that, do we? We know he's coming again. Acts 27, and here's another thing. That purpose was to warn them about the drought and see to it that they've made provision for it. But here, their lives are in danger. They're on a boat. The ship's going to go under. There's a storm. And what happens is the spirit or the angel of the Lord appears to uh, Paul. For there stood by me this night the angel of God whose I am and whom I serve. Sometimes we get so infatuated by the angel being there and attracted to that that we forget about the fact that he said, angel of God whose I am and whom I serve. I belong to him and I serve him. Okay. Saying, fear not, Paul, for thou must be brought before Caesar. That's future. And lo, God has given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God. Say those three words with me. I believe God. We're talking about in the face of a storm that was so relentless. For sure they were going down. They were going to die. All the sailors that were skilled and they knew they were going to die. They had no hope whatsoever of coming out alive. And Paul says, I believe God. You should have listened to me way back when I told you so. But now I'm telling you again, that angel stood by me, gave me a word of wisdom. Not one person will be lost. No life will be lost. I have to go and I've got to appear in Rome. So I believe God. It shall be even as it was told me. Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, now notice this is verse 31, except these abide in the ship, ye cannot be saved. This, here we have a revelation of a conditional word of wisdom. He gives them this word of wisdom that one person's hair would be harmed. Everyone would be saved and safe. 
But there's a but. Because you see, man began to kick in his own ideas. The worse it became and the closer they got to shore and all the rocks that were there, they knew where they were heading. They wanted to drop off their little dinghies off the side of the boat and make an escape that way. And he said, "Uh uh-uh, no, no, you do that, you're going to be dead. You must remain on the boat. It was conditional. And everyone that remained on the boat was spared. So once again, they have a conclusion before it ever happens. But notice the faith that was involved in it. He'll give us a word of wisdom, and we have to trust in what he says. We've got to believe that it will be as he said and no other way. So we cooperate with him in that manner. Now, this purpose was to deliver Paul and those that were with him from death. Look at Jonah chapter 3. You know the story. He receives a revelation of a future judgment that's going to come upon the people of Nineveh. And once again, it was conditional. But let's read it. Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey, and he cried and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So forty days from now, Nineveh will be overthrown. A word of wisdom. The word of wisdom, once again, is God dropping into someone a piece of his knowledge, in this case, in the future, that's going to happen, to let you know in advance to prepare for it. Okay. So the people of Nineveh believed God. Look at that. As awful as these people were, as damaging as they were to human life, no regard for mankind, they believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth. From the greatest of them even to the least of them, For the word came unto the king of Nineveh. He arose from his throne. He laid his robe from him, covered him with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water, but let man... And beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn everyone from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not. And God saw their works that they turned from their evil way. And God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them. And he did it not. Well, there's a lot to learn from what we just read right there. Is there not? Here we have these people that were so horrible in their treatment of people, so much so that Jonah did not even want to go to Nineveh. He didn't want them to be spared. He knew God was a merciful God, so he wanted them to be destroyed. Actually, you know the story. He got a ticket to somewhere else. Right? Refused to go. Didn't want to go. And that got him into a well of a problem, didn't it? I first read that the first time I knew there was something fishy about him. I did. Didn't you? He was in deep trouble. Yeah. That's just the kind of guy he was. But you see, the thing is, even though he went there and delivered the message, he still didn't want them to be forgiven. He was upset about it. 
Can you imagine that kind of a hard heart that no matter what, he still wanted them to be destroyed. No mercy whatsoever at all. That was his attitude. Aren't you glad that God's God, not Jonah? <laughs> you missed a good time to shout right there. Aren't you glad that God is God and not Jonah? Because if Jonah was God and saw everything that we did wrong, where would any of us be? We'd all be in a well of a problem, in deep trouble, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. We know that because even after God forgave them, he got upset with God. He just wasn't happy with it. Now, I remember personally, this is a personal experience that I had myself with an audible voice that told me, and this is Revelation, this was 40, almost 43 years ago this August, when I said I would never consider pastoring a church. There's no possible way I would consider doing that. And the Lord spoke to me on Route 11 coming down out between Calcutta and East Liverpool, Ohio, and said, you will be the next pastor of that church. See, that's future. You know, have you ever tried to outwit God? It, it is not going to work. You know, but I said I won't do anything like that. Told him I wasn't going to do anything like that. I told the pastor, the church that I was at, I'm, I would never consider it. I'm not going to do it. I don't speak in front of people, never speak in front of people, won't speak in front of people ever again. That's all there is to it. No. So you hear an audible voice that says, you will be the next pastor of that church. And then you talk about being humbled and you sit there and go, what? Really? And then you've got, of course, you've got a decision to make. You can either do it or not do it. And suffer the consequences, but um, I made a decision that I would do what God said to do with my life. But once again, he gives you a revelation, even though it had to be ironed out in the natural world that we live in, there had to be a church vote, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, had to take place. But God said it like as if he knew it would happen. Isn't that puzzling? God said it like he knew it would happen. He knows the future better than we know the past. The word of wisdom is a revelation in the mind of God, something that he knows about tomorrow that we don't know about, that he reveals to us and lets us know so we can prepare for tomorrow before tomorrow comes. Whether it's on a boat to save our lives or whether it's in a drought so that we can have supplies that we need, uh, whether an army coming against us and we know that we don't have to do anything but praise him for the victory, praise him for the answer. As he said, you don't have to fight in this battle. The battle's mine. I mean, think about that kind of confidence and assurance when you take a step back and just say, it's done. It's done. I'm just going to thank God. I'm going to focus my attention on worshiping God, praising God, magnifying God, and let him be God in the situation and watch him work. Stand back and see the salvation of your God. In the book of Acts, chapter 9, look at verses 10 through 16. Both of these gifts, the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom, can work together. And oftentimes they do. They work hand in hand. There was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in the vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Arise, go into the street which is called Straight. Inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth. Now how in the world would he know that he was there at that place. God gave him a word of knowledge. That's a word of knowledge. That's where he's at right now. And what he's doing is he's praying. And he has seen in the vision, once again, he reveals this knowledge, a man named Ananias coming in 
and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. See, you can't go that to your encyclopedia and get that information. You can't go online and get that information. But it's in the mind of God. God knows what he's doing and God reveals it to a man and says to this man, Ananias, that's where he's at and that's what he's doing right now, present tense. Then Ananias said, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he has done to thy saints at Jerusalem, and here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. You think God didn't know that? He had to remind him of that? I think God knew that. Do you think God knew that? Yes. Yeah, he knew that. But, you know, God just, I'm sure he's humored by some of that. But the Lord said unto him, go thy way. In other words, just do what I said to do. He's a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before Gentiles and kings, future, and the children of Israel. I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Then, of course, Ananias goes and does exactly what God said to do. So we have a word of knowledge, giving him a revelation of to where he's at. He finds him there doing exactly what he said he would do. But then also a word of wisdom that he's going to, in the future, he's going to bear my name before kings, even for the people of Israel and the Gentiles. He's going to represent me here upon the earth. So now go there and do what I told you to do. Go lay hands on him. So if you can imagine how Ananias must have felt. Here's a guy that's killing Christians, throwing them in jail, having them beheaded for their faith, promoting Judaism, trying to destroy and stamp out Christianity. And God gives him a word of knowledge and a word of wisdom. And he believes God. And the rest is history. And we know Saul of Tarsus became Paul. And basically wrote more than half of the New Testament. What a powerful thing. So you can see these are manifestations of the Spirit for reasons, purposes. To promote his work in the earth. And that's why he gives them. I was... Uh, Reminded as I was doing this study of an individual, it works this way with healing as well. This was a child that was in a very difficult situation in the hospital and was not getting any better at all. And so while I was praying, this was down in the church in Midland, I was praying in my office on my knees for, before a service and the Lord spoke to me. And gave me a, a word of knowledge. This child is in the hospital and I want you to tell the parents that this child will begin to amend from this moment on. Now, put yourself in my shoes or anybody else's shoes like that. You've got to step beyond your logic, your reasoning, your understanding. You don't want to look like you're flaky. You know what I mean by that? You don't want to look flaky. But I got on the phone and I called him. I want you to know something right now that your child will begin from right now, right now to amend. So I get a call. It was later in that night. And they just said, you know exactly what you said was true. Well, I didn't say it. God said it. Your child will amend. And that child began to amend. And they were ecstatic for a, it was a day or two, a couple of days, something like that. Then I get another phone call and just said, something happened. And I said, what happened? He was beginning to amend, just like the Lord said. And all of a sudden, now something's gone on. I said, okay, so I'm praying once again. And again, I get a revelation, a word of knowledge, and then a, a word of wisdom. 
What's happening is what they're doing at the hospital, I was told, is doing this to the child. They're doing it wrong. Take that child somewhere else. Now imagine that. So what do they do? They say, we're going to take our child to another place, another hospital. So they take their child, they go to another hospital. At the hospital, when they do their testing and all that sort of thing, what they have to do, they say, if you would have continued doing what they were doing back then, your child would be dead. We thank God for man. We thank God for what man can do, right? But, you know, men and women are human beings, finite limitations in all their lives, no matter who we are. God knows a whole lot more. He knows a whole lot better. So he knew what was going on. He knew something had to be changed, something had to be done. So the child was taken from one hospital to another hospital, and they knew exactly what to do. And the latter part of it was, and the child will recover. And it came to pass exactly as it was said. So a word of knowledge was imperative in that situation to remove the child and take that child to a place where the child could be recovered. So that's why when it says these gifts are given to every man to profit with all, it benefits people. It's not just for emotional things. It's to benefit people. For example, like John G. Lake, when he was driving up the hillside, a mountain was told by the Spirit, move over to the other side. God arrested his attention. To move over to the other side of the road meant he had to cross the yellow line and go to the other far side of the road and basically violate traffic laws. But the moment he got to the other side of the road, a semi-tractor trailer came down the, the road jackknifed, and if he was still on the right side of the road, he'd have been over a cliff over 300 feet, probably to his death, I would assume. He said that was a revelation that came to him by the Spirit of God that he had to act upon right away. And what happens is sometimes people will say, why did God let that happen? But you know what? God is always speaking, always speaking to warn us, to prepare us, to educate us, to help us, to show us? Are we listening is the question. God is always speaking, but are we listening to what he's saying by his spirit? So these gifts are absolutely necessary for our lives, for us to experience what God really wants us to experience. It's his way of communicating to us certain things by his spirit so that we can have the revelation that we need whether it's the word of knowledge or the word of wisdom in the future. And next week, Lord willing, we'll talk about the discerning of spirits, another revelation gift that enables us to see into the realm of spirits and the activities that are going on in that realm. And once again, for a right reason and for a right purpose. But let's all stand together before the Lord.